Oh, we just lost Ben. Ben held the line the whole time. Ben, call back. 780-496-0063. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation we're having, there he is. Tim Hickson joined us off the top of the show. He's the captain of the U of A Golden Bears soccer team, former member of the Vancouver Whitecaps organization. He, he shared his story. It's, I mean, he's 23 years of age, and he's already been through one and out the other side. Depression when his soccer career ended, his dream of pro soccer anyway. Turned to prescription painkillers, alcohol, started cutting himself. Well, he's back on his feet, and he's trying to share his message to make sure that others understand it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Ben, I want to thank you for holding the line through that newscast. Good morning to you. How's it going? Doing very well, thanks. Uh, What prompted your call this morning? Uh, I just wanted to touch, I guess, like this, you know, I'm glad he came in and talked. I mean, it is something that needs to be discussed. Um, I just wanted to touch on, like, it, it spreads much beyond, like, my wife went through a battle with postpartum depression and I didn't really know anything you know with mental health before like that I never really took a second look at it and I just find like how much more you pay attention to stuff once it affects you yeah and it's tough to get the message to people who it doesn't affect and I don't know it just it's something that needs to be more discussed and, and Ben, it's one of those things. I, I think that people people assume that it will never affect them, right? You know, oh, I raised my kids right, or my kids went to a private school, or we live in a in an affluent neighborhood. And people, some people anyway, think that they're maybe immune from some of this. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like, you know, even I don't know, going to different uh, when people do talk about it, and people sit there and listen, you know, people are still judging, you know, and that's the sad part is until it actually does affect most people people don't listen Mm. you know or i don't know it's just it's sad a lot of it you know that people have to deal with it by themselves and i guess that's kind of part of our goal i don't want to act like we sit in you know on this big white horse and think that we can ride into scenarios and save everybody from heartbreak and we're not delusional that way but we do understand that some things uh probably deserve a little bit more conversation and and i guess that's why we're having this segment kicking off our broadcast week today and 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 ben i appreciate your call you're making a great point yeah yeah that's pretty much it i mean Maybe another way to look at things is how much has social media affected the way this this works? Hmm. What you would know, you say to that? To come out. Oh, I I think it's huge. I mean, people come out with their opinion. Look at how these just simple things. Some of these politicians you guys have talked about in the past say something on Twitter, and just the mass chaos that ensues. Right? Yeah. So people who talk about stuff that's personal and close to them and really affects their day to day life, it's hard, and they don't want to be judged and. Sometimes, to me, I think what we deem as normal is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Ben, I mean, somebody just wrote in uh, just a short time ago. I mean, look at the media treatment that Rob Ford received when he was at his lowest low. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People people, yeah. people, almost sort of like gleefully embrace somebody else's struggles uh, without, I mean, at, at the time, there, there were a few people saying it, but certainly not the majority. A few people were saying, this is funny. Like, this is great late-night talk show comedy fodder, Rob Ford's collapse, but at at the heart of it, this is a son, a brother, a husband, and a father 
uh, who on an international stage is completely unraveling and well on his way to killing himself. I mean, that that, that was the reality. Yep. No, I totally agree. Thanks for the call, Ben. Yep. Appreciate it. Trevor's reached out to me on Facebook out of Drayton Valley this morning, says, just listening to this show here on mental illness, he says, I was told by my bosses uh, when I came out, shared with them that I was bipolar and suffering from a severe depression. I I was actually told to be quiet. He said, I was told that people will think I'm crazy. He says, ultimately, I lost my job because of it. But he says, I started a Facebook support group. He says, there's more than 1,500 people in now. And he says, I've, you know, I've had people say that because I came out and told about my issues that I'm actually helping them. And, and now they feel safe enough to accept that they're also living with mental illness. Trevor says, we must fight the stigma. He says, take a look at Clint Malarchuk. Great example, Trevor. Remember the former National Hockey League goalie? He says, I, I just read his book. He, he shot himself. But he lived through it. He says, and now he's helping people with mental illness. He says, we need to talk about this. People need to know that they're not alone. Listener here says, a, a tear of joy, a single tear. Thank you. On the text line to 630-630, listener says, I'm a repo man. I see people's lives come apart every day. I see the vodka bottles. I see the soot-covered fingers. I smell the drugs in the air. I see lives falling apart. Wow. I've never... Can you imagine being someone that works in repo? I've never, th- I've never really given it much thought, but I can imagine... You, you would essentially be... You're on the front lines. Hmm. I'm, I'm, as we speak right now, I'm starting to wonder if there might be a segment there. I think that there would. I think that, wow. Dan says, I recently ran out of prescription antidepressants and thinking I'd be okay for a few days. Dan says, I didn't realize how wrong I was. Mike simply says, people need to know that they're not alone. People need to know that they're loved. Another listener says, what makes depression even more difficult is when you turn to people that you hope will help you, and they can't or they won't. Another says, our healthcare system is woefully inadequate to handle mental health issues. I know firsthand. Their answer is to push more and more drugs as the easy fix, which in itself causes more problems. Listener out of Millet this morning says, wow, wow, wow. Thank you for letting Norma share. You remember that phone call just before the 10 o'clock news? Listener says depression and mental challenges exacerbated by the availability of mind-altering drugs is so confounding. We must put resources into finding help and finding answers. We all know someone. And then they asked me to remind listeners again about Tim's campaign and how we can contribute. I'm happy to do that. It's uh, Tim Hickson. He's the captain of the U of A Golden Bears soccer team. You can follow him. Find him on Twitter at Tim Hickson 8. The, the uh, number 8, Tim Hickson 8. Uh, our friends over at Global News did a feature on him. I saw that their video of his bikeathon already has about 60,000 views. You can find the link to the fundraising initiative and the University of Alberta Golden Bears and Pandas Facebook page. You'll have to scroll down a few stories. The fundraiser went on Friday and Saturday. Thank you for your interest. Listener here says, please don't use my name or say where I'm from, because very few people around me know what I'm about to tell you. When things are falling apart around you, 
it's hard to stay positive. And maybe sometimes anger and frustration comes out, you know, in your interaction with others. I've just received a termination notice from a long-term contract position. I have some savings, but I'm not eligible for EI because of that. You run into government retraining programs where, yes, they have assistance, but you need a signed offer with that training as a prerequisite for the job, or you know, there's no funding. And then you run into government positions where hiring quotas are stated basically saying, you know, if you're a white guy, you need not apply. So let's top that off by not knowing the outcome as health issues have occurred. My wife is awaiting a colonoscopy. I am awaiting a CT scan. This listener says only the people closest to us are aware, and we still do the best we can going forward. Mike says, stay strong, Tim. May God bless you. Another listener says, I lost my brother on St. Patrick's Day two years ago. He was 37. I suffered from depression. I was forced to take a year off from work, and when I was ready to return, they laid me off a month later. It makes it that much harder not being on benefits or having a steady income. I applaud Tim for stepping up to share his story. We'll fit in a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to the phone lines. Twyla is holding the line. We've also got some powerful messages. I mean, some of you, I I know you've been taking some time to think about this. You must have, because now we're starting to get emails on this. And I can tell there's a great deal of thought that's gone into them. First things first, though, as soon as we come back, we'll qualify somebody to go to Las Vegas to see Axel and Slash. That's coming right up. It's 1020 on this Monday morning, which means it's time to announce a name. The show that's been a quarter century in the making, Guns N' Roses, together in Las Vegas for the first show in more than 20 years, and you could be there. One lucky winner and a guest is going to win a trip to Sin City to see GNR perform their very first show back together. If you haven't already entered, get over to 630chat.com right now to register, and then be sure to listen every day, every weekday at 7.20 a.m., 10.20 a.m., and 4.20 p.m. If you hear your name, you've got six minutes and 30 seconds to call 780-496-0063. That's how you'll qualify to see the reunion concert of a lifetime. Today's potential qualifier is Grant Strand of Edmonton. Grant, the clock is ticking. You've got six minutes and 30 seconds to call 780-496-0063. I'll let you know, the last three days we've been on the air, we've had three qualifiers, and they've all been in like the first 20 seconds. It's been absolutely incredible. We did not plan to spend an hour and a half talking about mental health today, but the audience is driving the conversation, and who are we to get in the way? We believe that this is an important conversation to have. Twyla's been holding the line. Good morning, Twyla. Good morning. How are you, Ryan? Doing well. What prompted your call? Um, I think it's really important that we watch our wording when it comes to mental health. Um, I myself live with bipolar too, and um, something important that my doctor told me is, I shouldn't say that I am bipolar. I live with it, sometimes I suffer from it, but it is not who I am. It does not identify me as a person. Mm. It's, it's a facet of my character and my life. 
Yeah, you know what, Twilight, we had this conversation in a different context a few weeks ago, and, and what prompted it, I mean, a, a totally different conversation, but about the handicapped parking signs, and, and we talked about language of how we define people, and you'll even hear people come in here that are, say, for example, you know, living with uh, a, a certain disease, whether it's cancer or, or diabetes or a mental illness or whatever, and they'll say even, you know, I'd prefer to never hear the word suffering from again, yeah. you know? Yeah. Has it has yeah, changing yeah. the language changed your mindset a little bit? Um, I think I think it definitely has changed my mindset. It's not something I look at as being a huge piece of me. It's not it doesn't rule my life. I am in control. I I with my doctor help me to maintain the status quo and um yeah, you're right. I don't suffer from it. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I do suffer because if I have a setback, maybe my medication hasn't been working or something, then then I truly do believe I am suffering at that point. Hmm. Hey, Twyla, you know, not everybody that, that's uh, living with a, a bipolar disorder would, would feel free to call in and talk to tens of thousands of people about it on the radio. Have you always been this open about it, or has that been a bit of a journey for you? Um, I think when you're bipolar, you're so mouthy that you're open about everything. <laughs> but that's just me. So <laughs> um, I talk about it often. Um I, I want people to know that I can understand, you know, where they're at and what they're going through um, and that they're not alone. And sometimes I'm, you know, crazy anti Twyla. I know I've been called that by the family more than once. But um, I'm okay with that now. I can be crazy anti Twyla and I can help others at the same time. Hmm. Twyla, thank you for taking the time to call today. Thank you, Ryan. You bet. Really appreciate hearing from you. I've got an email here from Lisa. You can email us anytime. Just go to 630ched.com, click on the show's link. Lisa says, I'm just replying to what's on the air, what I'm hearing right now, Tim's story. She's talking about Tim Hickson, the U of A athlete who joined us at 9 o'clock. Lisa says there are a ton of programs in Edmonton, day programs, in fact, for, for mental health through our hospital. She says it's called Breaking Silence. She says Breaking Silence is long overdue. Lisa says, I live with a non-visible disability, and I'm helping people recognize that they have an illness and, and how they can reach out for help. Cindy emailed as well. She says, you know, surprisingly, I find myself not angry with those who do not understand mental illness. Before I was hit with anxiety and depression three years ago, I had no empathy for those who suffered. In fact, I was one of those who were on the other side, who often made fun and had a, a total disregard for the struggle of others. That was then, says Cindy, what a difference a few years have made. There are days I have literally had to pick myself up off the floor to go to work. I recently had to see a therapist because I lost my precious little dog to cancer in August. I was beyond devastated. I was a mess. She said years ago I would have cried and then I would have been good and been able to cope with it. She says, I guess what I've discovered is that I do have a mental illness. And I feel this way at times because of it. She says, I'll probably never be back to, quote, normal. And I've accepted it. I tell people about my struggle because the shame is what keeps it in the shadows. She says, most don't get it at all. Lucky them, I guess. We need to talk about this, says Cindy. 
Let the healing begin. Amen. And hey, what's normal anyway? Normal, I was going to say is overrated, but there might actually not be such thing. There might not be such a thing as normal. I mean, what's normal? Financial stability? Emotional stability? Mental stability? Stability in your family life? Who really has all that? We all pretend like we do. Our Facebook profiles show that we do. If you took a look at most people's Facebook profiles, you'd assume that they've never had a bad day in their life. I mean, some people's Facebook profiles indicate that every day is a bad day, but for the majority of people, we put on a nice veneer, don't we? We post the photos where we look the slimmest. We post photos where we're at the events that are boasting the longest list of VIPs. We like everybody to know about all of our successes, but what about our failures? Richard says normal is just average. No one's exactly normal. I agree, Richard. Lyle says anything negative that you're living through that you hang on to and accept and embrace is what you have to live through. Andre says, I'm a 38-year-old man. I've been working full-time since I was 18. I've always advanced quickly in my career, but in 2012, I was let go for the first time in my life. Because of that instance, I began suffering from depression. Andre says, it was a hard time. Here I was, no job, unable to support my family, unable to afford medication I desperately needed. I was unable to sustain a job because I was barely able to get out of bed. I remember begging my doctor for more of those sample meds because my benefits hadn't kicked in yet. Andre says, you know, I'm feeling better now and I'm working full time again, but I need to take my meds every day or I'll fall right back into my slump. And I think my story is the same as what's happening right now to Albertans every day. We need programs to get people help right away. And we need to remove the stigma of mental illness because it can only take one bad day. That from Andre. Hmm. So many of you are sending in meaningful messages. We're going to try to leave some some more time here. We're we're sort of changing the flow of today's show on the fly because the response to this conversation is indicating that that's the right call. We are, though, as promised in this next half hour, going to bring you some of the more meaningful moments. And there were many from Don Getty's state funeral on Saturday. You'll hear from the premier from some of his family members, his executive secretary, all of that and more when we return from these news headlines. It's uh, allow, allow me to develop a, maybe a bit of an abstract thought here, or maybe it's not so abstract. We, we, we really try to keep it real on this show. And so you've the highs and the lows and the passion and the emotion and you know, sometimes we have to learn to rein it in, myself included. And, and then sometimes we just give ourselves completely to a conversation. And, and I've been trying to return some of the text messages through these commercial breaks. Some of you are just are pouring out your heart. Some of you are texting into the show even saying, just please don't read this. You just It, it just feels like you want to get something out. And I can't tell you how much that means to us. I mean, to even be part of this conversation, it's a, it's a privileged position to be in, to even be able to facilitate a conversation that's driven by you. 
the audience. We're talking about mental health. Mark, listening in from Edmonton, says, you know, I've been listening this morning, uh, many other conversations as well, about mental conditions of various kinds. He says, I'm always left with one thought. Considering how prevalent, destructive, and costly mental illness is, why don't we push to have an annual mental health checkup included as part of our universal health care? Great idea. I mean... (laughs) I know you're not supposed to draw generalizations along gender lines, but I will in this case. Uh, generally speaking, women are better at looking after themselves than men are. We're pretty, we're pretty lousy at it. Did you know, as a matter of fact, this is a fact in Canada, 75% of men's annual physicals are booked by women? Three quarters of the physicals in Canada for men, are booked by women in their life. It just goes to show that we're not very proactive when it comes to our own health, and that's our physical health. I mean, for me, it's like, if I'm coughing up blood, then I'll be like, okay, I should probably go see the doctor, right? That's how we are. But mental health, I mean, geez, and we're probably, based on stigma, you know, we're probably even less inclined to actually go talk to somebody when we're feeling like our mental health isn't where we want it to be. But I guess that's the goal of shows like this is to change that. Like Tim said, Tim Hickson that joined us, it's okay to not be okay. Listener to Slave Lake says, darn Ryan, you had to go and make a full grown man cry on a Monday morning. Not our goal, but we're glad it's resonating. Hmm. Listener says, I love the show today. Mental illness is everywhere, but I can't talk about it. I have it. Depression, I'm on antidepressants, but so what? Sorry, but I get angry, says this listener, that people have to even live with it. You know, and sometimes it feels like even if you're talking about it, it only helps for the moment. Well, if that's the case, I hope this moment means something. Kellyanne says, I like the word average better than normal. I live with depression, and it is sometimes magnified because I have a profoundly disabled daughter, now 16 years of age. Her Glen Rose doctor has been my greatest support. That from Kellyanne. Another, and I sure appreciate this honesty, says, I wish, to be honest, that I had a more open mind toward mental illness or non-visible disabilities. But, you know, I feel like, you know, just saying, suck it up. Everybody goes through something and some people have it a lot worse than others. Uh, When are we going to realize that prescription drugs can make things worse? Talk about it and then, you know, smoke a little something to make you numb to this world we live in and move on. And I think that goes back to the conversation that that Ben started when he called in to say, if 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 you haven't been through it, it's tough to know about it. And we hear that. That's a common theme on this show. You know, I used to judge people that were addicted to meth until my daughter became addicted to meth. Or I used to laugh at people that struggled in school until my son struggled in school. You can broaden the conversation. I used to feel a certain way about the gay community until I realized my daughter was gay. Certainly not implying anything beyond general observation by bringing that example into the mix. But I'm just saying for a lot of people, we lack even an entry-level understanding on an issue until that issue impacts us. 
I know many of you have lost loved ones to suicide. I have. The first one, the first friend we lost was my final year of high school. And this might be a weird way to put it, but if you were to make a list of people that you suspected might take their life, this guy would not have been in the top 500. Had it all together. Looked like, anyway. Popular guy. Really popular guy. Talented. Athletic. Smart. Outgoing. Funny. Didn't matter. Listener here out of Vermilion says, you know, weakness is a word that no man will admit to ever. If you appear weak, you get stepped on by other men. You get looked down on by women. This is nature, and there are millions of years of evolution. A few years of discussion will never change that. I don't know. Some guys, I think, are still raised to believe that they can't cry. Listener here out of Edmonton says life comes with highs and lows. That's part of the human condition. So I don't understand why people are so afraid of their emotions and feel the need to medicate and hide them. I'm more afraid of the shrinks who are experimenting with our emotions than I am about feeling sad or depressed. Now, I want to be clear here. There's an entire conversation to be had about medication. My position is that you should always talk to your doctor. You should, if, if, if you're living with what you understand to be a mental health challenge, or if you know that you have a mental health challenge, I think it's very important to have a conversation with your doctor. For some people, medication is not the answer. For many people, medication is a huge help. A huge help. And I don't think that there's anything that I could responsibly say on the radio about medication that would fit because it's such a personal conversation that you need to have with your family and your healthcare professionals. Jason says, I'm a successful business owner. I've lived with depression for more than a decade. Like many men, my depression shows as moody and anger sometimes rather than sad and weepy. Dave says, I suffer from cyclothymia. I hope I pronounced that correct, Dave. Says it's a form of bipolar. Says I, I lived with it for 20 years through my childhood, my school years, undiagnosed and unrealized. Dave says, forget the haters that say, get over it. You know, we're, we're receiving so many messages here. I think that we might have to dedicate another segment to this because there's other things we want to include in this morning's broadcast. I mean, we're putting more and more things on the back burner just because as I'm sitting in this chair, like my email inbox is like ding, 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 ding. The text line is loaded up. I'm trying to check all these platforms here. You're, you're hearing the pauses on the air because I'm, I'm reading this as we go on the fly. This says something. This is, this is a conversation that I think many people have been maybe waiting to have. We're, we're just having an open, free-flowing conversation. There's no goal here. There's no, there's no mandate beyond talk about it. Maybe we'll give Nicole the last word for now. She sent me an email via 630ched.com. She says, you know, I was just talking to my friends about my journey with depression and anxiety just a couple of weeks ago. She says, I actually didn't know that I was depressed or anxious. And when you talk about normal, that was my normal. She says, I didn't understand that other people didn't feel like this too. It wasn't after, 
it wasn't until after I graduated from university and, and didn't get out of bed for three full days that I realized that something was really wrong. And even then, it took me a full year and several panic attacks at my job for me to seek help. Nicole says, I won't say that I'm mentally healthy. You know, a couple of weeks ago, a friend's engagement coupled with a breakup of a relationship sent me into a spiral that had me curled up in a ball in my office chair crying while my boss was away. She says this is a good reminder of how mental illness affects everyone. That from Nicole. Thank you for sharing. So just take this away. It's okay to not be okay. And you're never, ever, ever alone. We'll fit in a break when we come back. Kelsey and Garrick's put together a, a montage of sorts. Some of the most meaningful moments, the sentiments, the thoughts that were shared at former Premier Don Getty's state funeral on Saturday. We'll bring you that next right here on 630 Chet. Former Premier Don Getty remembered uh, a week and a day after his passing at a state funeral on Saturday. Our Kelsey Wingarek has compiled some of the most meaningful moments from that service. You'll hear now from our Premier, from Don Getty's son, a couple of his grandchildren, as well as his former executive secretary. This from Saturday. Today, we honor the life of an extraordinary Albertan, former Premier Don Getty. Don Getty lived a remarkable life. He was a sports hero, a successful businessman, but he chose to leave those behind to dedicate himself to public service. Don Getty spent nearly 20 years in the legislature. He loved Alberta. Through two decades, he helped shape our province's future. A life of public service is a hard one. It's all-encompassing, it's long hours, late nights, and a lot of time away from your family. It's a life that I know well. My father, Grant Notley, served as an MLA at the same time as Don Getty. So I know what it's like to grow up with a father in the legislature. Margaret, Dale, David, Darren, Derek, you shared Don with Alberta, and for that, we thank you. You've heard much about, about Family Day and how my dad uh, created it and uh, how he was a, a great family man, <clears throat> which he was. And there was one time uh, as a family we had gone to Klondike Days, uh, which we called the X back in those days. And uh, we were walking along the midway and we came across the, uh, the football, throw the football through the, uh, the tire game. And so my dad stepped up and he thought he'd give it a try. And the guy said to him, well, now you can't reach over the, the ledge. He said, okay. So he started throwing footballs through the tire and gave me a, a bear and my brother's bears. And as kids were walking by, he'd give them bears too. <laughs> We loved hearing Grandpa's funny stories of wooing our grandma and how everything she did was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> he would say, Margie, this gravy is just beautiful. 
what did you do different? <laughs> and she would respond with, Don, I make it the same way every time, and you say the same thing every time. Being the only grandson in a sea of granddaughters, Grandpa and I had our own special memories. Uh, he taught me how to hold a football properly and how to throw a perfect spiral, which I never did quite master because he would just end up having me run the routes while he showed off a little. <laughs> or as he would say, leading by example. Uh, whenever we discussed football, it was never about stats or highlights. It was always about the team, the chemistry between the players, and how to be a great leader. One of the most resonating lessons was to always stay calm under pressure. He would tell me, if you're calm in difficult situations, people will feel and respect that and look to you for leadership. Uh, in one quote of the newspaper articles I read this past week, I saw, I saw a quote by uh, Mr. Parker from the 56 Grey Cup. It read, he called the plays, make no mistake about that, and he called them well. Don kept as cool as a julep when a lot of young ball players might have tensed up. I really love that quote. It says to me that he was doing these things a long time before he started imparting them on to my sisters, my cousins, and me. I would like to share with you now, in his own words, what Don said of his family on the evening he bade farewell as leader. No one will ever know all that they have meant and what they've contributed, their unquestioning support and confidence in me. Like the party, families have high and low moments, disappointments, and then great joys. But I am a lucky person, and we are a lucky family. The highs and the joys far outnumber the lows, and we try to handle both of them in the same way. We share them as a family, and, begin, and being together keeps us strong. And his final words that evening were about Margaret, when he said, our family turns and centers around Margaret. She is our base and our strength. In a very full lifetime together, we have shared and enjoyed a journey to the top, whether it has been athletics, business, or politics. In all that way, I've had beside me a lady with grace, style, strength, and beauty, who has helped make my life a wonderful experience. Dawn was a friend in the deepest possible meaning of the word. I know I speak for many others here today because he was a great and loyal friend for many of us. For me in my life, and I know for you as well, we shall not see his like again. We will miss him. Thanks to Kelsey McCarrick for putting that audio montage together. Following Don Getty's state funeral on Saturday, a listener here on, on the text line says, uh, I grew up across the street from the Gettys on Fairway Drive. He and his boys used to play basketball in the driveway. And even though I was about 10 years younger and uh, several feet shorter, I still managed to score a basket every once in a while. Looking back, I think they probably just let me win. He was such a nice man. Rest in peace. It's been interesting to hear some reflections on Don Getty. Of course, many people focus on the political for obvious reasons, him being a former premier, but so many people talked about him 
the sort of gentlemanly way in which he carried himself, his gracious nature. Always appreciate the reflections that you send into the show via the email link at 630ched.com. After this newscast, we'll sit down with Todd Babiak. His new novel, Son of France, will be released this Wednesday. But he's viewing his fiction writing a little bit differently these days, following his family's heartbreak over the past year or so. We'll talk to Todd Babiak in studio next.